0: Welcome to the Ready Eddie Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Savo here, your host. In today's episode, I am sitting down with Matt Disney, the founder of Wool. Wool. Uh, this is Matt's second podcast episode. Uh, but thanks for, for taking the time to come back on, on the show.
0: Hey, Josh, we really appreciate you having us, and uh, look forward to uh, catching up.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, all right, for the listener that may not be familiar with the first episode or Wuru, I would definitely recommend checking out episode 190, um, which came out back in March before finishing this episode, then you can come back. Um, But for the listeners that may have already listened to that first episode, let's talk about what sort of changed between March and now being August for Wuru.
0: Yeah, you know, obviously we've all, you know, globally have had uh, a lot going on in that time frame. Um, you know, I think we were starting to, um, you know, just hear about uh, some of the pieces in early March of, uh, you know, what, you know, of COVID, um, but being a brand, small brand and manufacturing here in the U.S., um, you know, it's, it's obviously, uh, there've been our fair share of hurdles. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's also one of the benefits of us, you know, being, uh, a small and nimble brand is that we've been able to be pretty adaptable, um, and, you know, all take on, uh, different roles and wear different hats. Um, but that has also allowed us to kind of continue on and, uh, you know, do what we need to do, um you know, it's, you know, from production to, uh, sourcing, uh, et cetera, you know, there's obviously just been a ton going on and, uh, you know, and how we see things going, happening in Vietnam to, with some of our mills to the way things are produced in California. So, um, you know, it's obviously been busy, but, uh, you know, luckily we've been able to roll with the punches.
1: So for, for podcast listeners that may not remember, but Wuru is specifically direct to consumer, correct?
0: Uh, that's correct.
1: So um, yeah, go keep going.
0: No, yes. Yeah, so all of our apparel um, is strictly direct to consumer. Um, you know, we do with that, there's a slight caveat that we do have our blister prevention product um, available in retail. Um, but, you know, most of our, conversations have uh, strictly been around apparel so
1: so when covid hit did you guys note was there a sort of dip and then a spike back up or what, what sort of happened uh when covid sort of started spreading
0: so what you know with our manufacturing being in california um and obviously a watchful eye um, we were in kind of a You know, really when things started to shut down, we had a shipment of fabric um, that was coming from a mill we used in Thailand. And so it was on the, you know, on the tarmac getting ready to come that we saw some delays there. And then we also had some issues um, on the receiving end um, from ports being closed to. Uh, our production facility, um, being closed for a little over a month, um, and, you know, then obviously, you know, so one of the big issues on our end was we were running low on inventory, um, especially some of our summer pieces. Um, so then, you know, we thought that we were on one timeline. Um, so we were at, we saw our inventory going down to about zero, um, on some of our stuff, but luckily our factory was able to, um, switch things over pretty quick, um, as they were doing some PPE, um, for the state of California, um, using their knit factory. And so we were able to, um, you know, that was able to get them back open and then get into production. So we lost a couple months, um, but, you know, all in all, um, you know, I think we were really happy with the way that uh, you know, they were able to adapt and that we were able to adapt.
1: And did sales stay pretty consistent for you over that period of time, or was there a bit of a lull? Uh,
0: so you know, overall, things stayed pretty consistent. Um, what we wound up doing, trying to cover that gap, um, was we wound up just turning on a pre presale, um, so, which was a huge help for us. Um, you know, obviously, you know, trying, being a small, young brand, um, you know, it was a concession that we were. You know, we had to. We knew we had to give our customers something um, in return for um, keeping some steady cash flow. Um, so we ran 25% off for all of our pre uh, all of our pre-orders. Um, so that you know, really, really kept things pretty flat for us. Um, be, you know, from the standpoint that it was. You know we were giving up a little bit on the front end, um, but that enabled us to really continue the conversation um, with our customers and you know also leverage some you know marketing aspects to keep uh, you know keep things pretty steady.
1: That's interesting. And now I know one of the reasons why we're working together now is you you guys are, are launching a Kickstarter campaign tomorrow, August fourth, which I might be, Depending upon when this podcast comes out, probably a few days in the past, um, let's talk about this everyday base layer. What is it and what's different about it?
0: So, yeah, once again, you know, I think this is something that kind of came out with, uh, you know, when we were designing, um, you know, really our first mid layer um, being a men's and women's zip up, um, you know, really looking at a heavier piece. One of the things that we were looking at was, you know, how are we going to launch? And we thought that we were going to be, you know, bringing this out towards the fall, um, launching it in more of a traditional aspect. Um, But with COVID, you know, we decided to shift it um, a bit and move it to Kickstarter with some of the unknowns. um, And once again, kind of leverage some of the pre-sale success that we had um, with some of our uh, summer offerings. And so that is why we decided on a platform such as Kickstarter. Um, When going to some of the differences, you know, one of the pieces or one of the reasons for this piece um, was we noticed that there are a lot of pieces that either fell in more of the strictly outdoor sense or strictly fashion sense and we really wanted to try to make a piece that could cross those bridges um you know something that is very minimal on the logos um so that you can wear it to the office wear it to happy hour but something that's also technical um and can keep up with you on you know any mountain adventure so really trying to have that crossover um you know so for instance you know A lot of people love thumb holes, but I think one of the things with thumb holes is it automatically gives it like a real tech feel um, that, you know, depending on, you know, the office you may work in, it might just not be appropriate. Um, So we went with an invisible thumb loop um, that's hidden inside. So it still has a nice clean look and feel, um, but also offers some of the advantages or some of the. Um, inherent benefits that you get from, you know, a more technical piece. So we really tried to sit down and, uh, you know, canvas a lot of uh, athletes that we work with and figure out some of the things that they do and don't like um, and try to really bridge those gaps and, you know, giving you kind of giving, you know, making it a technical piece where you need it, but trying to give you some style where you want it.
1: How long did it take you guys to develop this uh, everyday layer?
0: So we were we started the development uh, really at the end of last year. Um, you know, we started to work with our design team, um, as well as a new fabric mill and relationship that we have developed with uh, New Yarn and their proprietary way of uh, spinning yarn, um, which is, makes it stronger, lighter. Um, stretchier without using, um, spandex. Um, and then, you know, something, it also allows, um, the fabric to dry about, uh, five times quicker than a traditional ring spun merino. So that's really when this, uh, project kicked off. Um, and then, you know, we brought this fabric back to our design team based in Boulder and, you know, that's where they got going. Um, and, you know, we were able to do a lot of testing, uh, towards the back end of last year. And, uh, you know, now here we are, um, you know, just, you know, as you mentioned, um, getting ready to launch our Kickstarter and truly bring this to market.
1: So what's the goal of this campaign? How much are you guys trying to raise?
0: Uh, so we, we set our goal at 30,000. Um, so, you know, I think that's something that we feel that we should be able to, reach, um, you know, you know, rather quickly. And that was, you know, one of our missions was, you know, something that is, um, a nice benchmark, but, you know, something that we felt, uh, you know, very comfortably could, uh, uh, you know, hit and hit rather quickly. And, uh, you know, that way we can work on putting some, you know, additional marketing spend um, behind the project and, you know, see what kind of legs we can, uh, we can generate.
1: So what, what's the, what's the ultimate goal you guys are hoping to achieve with the Kickstarter?
0: You know, I think that's, you know, when looking at it, you know, I think we have the potential to, you know, with this being our first campaign, um, you know, I think it has the potential to, you know, net somewhere around, you know, hit that 60,000 mark. Um, you know, I think would be, we'd look at it as a good achievement. Um, you know, we are not partnering with uh, any of the um, large traditional Kickstarter agencies. Um, and, you know, that was something that we made a conscious decision with. Um, we really just wanted to keep it a little bit closer with uh, with our team, um, you know, and see some of those learnings. Um, because I think that this is a piece that if it goes well and we can better understand Kickstarter, um, we may look to continue to launch um, a few products a year using the platform. Um, so I think the more that we can own um, will benefit us more long term, um, so that we can capture those learnings, opposed to um, you know surrendering a you know rather sizable amount. Um, to an outside agency.
1: That's really interesting. Um, So let's talk about the strategy since we're the day before the launch of the campaign. The goal is somewhere between 30 to 60K. What are you doing strategy-wise to give yourself the best shot of hitting that goal?
0: So, you know, one of the things that we did, you know, from the uh, early on is we knew both the photographer and videographer. Um, we knew that we needed to produce, um, high quality piece. So, you know, we really, um, you know, we have, we have a few relationships and, um, you know, that was our main thing is how can we harness the talent needed, um, both behind the lens and from an athlete standpoint, um, without, you know, breaking the bank, um, to get the piece that we need um but also allowing us to be cognizant of what what is going on in the world with covid um you know we knew we had to shoot with a small team um to respect social distancing and things like that um, but we also knew we needed to shoot with a talented team so like one of the things that we wound up doing was uh bringing in a couple um so obviously they live under one roof so that allowed our talent to work closer together and obviously be safe. And then, you know, we were using a little bit longer lenses than, uh, you might have ordinarily. So it was, uh, it was a fun and challenging project. Um, but that was, you know, the big thing that we knew from the get go is we really had to, um, bring in the needed talent to do it. And then, um, on top of that, you know, we started uh, a pre-launch campaign trying to, really generate the needed buzz um, before we launched so that way you know, when we do um, flip the switch that we can get some of the um, original backing that we need um, to hopefully trigger some of the uh, Kickstarter algorithms, et cetera, um, and move things up
1: on the page. That's interesting. And, and uh, I assume the campaign will be live for about 30 days or so? Uh, correct. Yes, yeah, so we are going to do it as a uh, 30-day campaign. Interesting. Now, I guess for anyone listening to this, if you're interested in checking out the campaign, we'll link to it in the show notes on Ready Yeti. Um, but they can, if they Google, I assume, WuruWool, W-U-R-U, Wool, W-U-R-U Wool, Kickstarter, I'm sure you'll find it, or go on WuruWool's website. Um, so let's talk about the future for Wuru. Where do you see... Where we were going in the next year, five years, ten years down the road from this point.
0: Uh, and I apologize for the screaming eight-month-old um, <laughs> no in <the> worries. background. <laughs> so, uh, you know, another challenge of COVID. Um, so looking at our future, I think that, you know, we have a really, inter- you know, we're sitting in a really interesting spot to be able to um, – you know, see sustainable growth. You know, one of our things that we have identified and when looking at going the Kickstarter route is that we want to grow organically, um, which we also know won't be necessarily the fastest, but we know to bring the products that we want to, to market, manufacture here in the US using the best materials that we can find globally. Um, We can't have somebody else in our pockets trying to balance a product that's just good enough in profit. Um, So with that being said, um, you know, we aren't going to be the fastest growing brand out there in terms of bringing, you know, 15 or 20 SKUs, you know, annually and just trying to blow things up quickly. Um, So, you know, but we are trying to grow and do that. And I think that's one of the things that Kickstarter does allow for us um, is to, you know, really test the market. So, um, you know, looking at the next few years, I do see us bringing two to three products, um, men's and women's along per season, Um, you know, especially as, you know, we rely very heavily on the feedback um, of our customers and prospective customers um, to really see what they want and see what the, you know, the market is, um, you know, asking for. Um, I think, you know, being able to bring a product made in the U S, um, at a reasonable cost, um, is something that is a unique niche, um, that we've been able to, uh, you know, that we've been able to capture. Um, but with that, like, you know, daily, we have people reaching out, you know, trying to, you know, offering advice and, you know, we take that very seriously. Um, but we also know at the same point in time, you know, in the short term that we won't be able to satisfy everybody. Um, so with that, you know, I think that's a long winded answer of, you know, what we're looking for short term, um, where I see us long term is, you know, just continuing to double down, um, in the sectors that we play it, um, you know, trying to really find things and source it around, you know, what are some of the most cutting edge fabrics um, that are different than others are doing. Um, and we know that by doing this and doing it well, um, we're already starting to see mills coming to us um, with new things that they're developing um, because we are able to do things in, smaller runs here in the States opposed to, um, overseas. Um, so they find that very interesting, but also knowing that, uh, you know, we aren't, you know, we're not afraid to, uh, push the envelope a little bit and, um, you know, on, on the innovation side. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure that we root everything in, you know,
1: performance, um, first and foremost, Okay, so between um, the last time that we spoke in March and today, what would you say have been some of the biggest learnings um, you've had with Wuru? Yeah, I think a
0: lot of it is, you know, around COVID and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how we can continue to differentiate from other more traditional brands. As I mentioned early on, um, you know, being, being able to be small and nimble um, has been something that has been a huge advantage to us. Um, you know, we've been able to step aside and continue to ship product um, the same way um, that we did prior to COVID because we have a pretty bare bones team. Um, so having one person in the warehouse um, at a time is not an issue for us. Um, so we've been able to continue to grow our business because people can depend on getting their product in a timely manner. Um, And that has been something that's been huge is I think in especially these times of e-commerce people still do want those touch points um, and some of the old school um, aspects that they have grown to love um, from you know, traditional retail. Um, So I think, you know, really making sure that we are staying on top of our customer service and getting back to people very quickly um, is something that we've always prided ourselves, but we have made sure to double down on now um, to make sure that people feel comfortable with, you know, that those discussions with a rather young brand, um, because I think those pieces are, um, things that can win people over and really be a point of differentiation um, you know, rather quickly.
1: Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Now, for anyone listening to this, don't forget, if you're interested in checking out Woolroo's Kickstarter campaign, um, it is live between August 4th and I guess that means September 4th? Uh, it'll
0: be ending on uh, Thursday, September
1: 3rd. So yeah, just head over to WooRoo's site, and you'll be able to find the Kickstarter campaign directly on their homepage. And uh, with that, Matt, it's always a blast having you on the show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, how you guys do.
0: Really appreciate it, guys. And uh, anybody supporting our Kickstarter, you can expect to save uh, $30 um, off the
1: uh, retail price um, through backing the Kickstarter campaign. Perfect, and we'll catch you guys next week with another Ready, Eddie episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready 88 Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.